0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, streaming
1: live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
1: and Bob Stelton. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening before our very eyes. If you're watching on the video stream, you see we've got royalty in the studio with us in between Dave Wyman and I, the one, the only, Brock Heward in the building with us. Look at you. How are
2: you, man? Let's see if I remember how to do this. On,
1: <laughs>
2: on, f- on, okay, got do, it. Do you feel like home again? Oh, it feels it's, so good. It's all comfortable. I was up there Key of Everett. Simple, easy, fun up there with the people up there. And okay. uh, they were listening to you guys. So, they were going to call you royalty? Yeah, your high. It wasn't royalty. You call me your highness. <laughs> Same it's a thing. There's a no, big difference. <laughs> big difference, Bob. <laughs> no, well, it's great. Great to be back. And it was fun to see Coach Carroll this morning. Uh, he was... He was in good spirits. He was very pleased this deal got done. And if you kind of read between the lines of a few things that he said to us uh, that jumped out to me was the owner was very happy with this deal. Mm -hmm. And that means it's a good deal for the team.
0: Well, and then, you know, look, I I see why she's happy because of what happened. Like, we've got one day. It's the anniversary tomorrow, right, of the trade. Yeah. And, you know, they thought at this point. Last year, that they're going to be going in with Russ, and if somebody would have told you Gino is going to be the quarterback and he's going to be a Pro Bowler, correct, and throw seventy percent completion percentage, so I think there's a lot of appreciation, not only from you know the coaches, yeah. but especially the ownership.
2: Yeah, there there is, and ultimately, he was not so hard headed to, to believe and demand and say franchise take or I'm out or I'm going to get to the market I want out of here. He, he didn't do that, and he knew that this place believed in him. That you know, they gave him that opportunity. Now he earned it. He played very well. But this deal, and we'll see it. And they kind of hinted at that. And Pete didn't give us every last detail. But when these details come out, you're going to see the a huge majority of these hundred and five million dollars are betting on himself again. Mm-hmm. Their incentives. It's get to the Pro Bowl. It's get to the playoffs. It's get to the Super Bowl. You know, and and that's why I think the owner was happy. Was yeah, she was happy to Jody to reward him. But it was also team friendly in the sense that his cap number for this upcoming season, I think, will be below 10 million bucks. Mm. It could be eight, nine million bucks. And over the course of time, yeah, he can earn big money, but if he does, the team does very well. <laughs> yeah, kind of like your show well. with your bonuses. Like, your show does great. Oh, yeah. And you yeah. and Lefco and Wyman, you know, make all this dough. We're and rolling the, in And it. the company's happy because you guys are rolling, and they don't mind yeah. being in the top five and paying those bonuses. It's one bonus after another. It's for crazy. Sure. You
0: can't keep track of that money. Well, I mean, look, that's the way you want any business to run. It is. I mean, it's yeah. all the, the whole rising shit. But the last right?
2: guy didn't do that. That last guy fought for every last penny and he had every right to do that that being Russell Wilson mm. you know what i don't i didn't hold ill will against him for doing that as a businessman but he wanted every last penny It wasn't going to in even in denver with his deal and 160 million guaranteed dollars you know he was not going to do some team friendly or incentive laden deal give me my money well and the, there's a pretty stark difference though you, know, you think
1: we, yeah, you know, a guy who'd been a perennial pro bowler, been to the Super Bowl twice, won one. This is a guy who was everybody viewed a very specific way for nine years. Yep. And then last year, it's like, yes, whoa. correct. And Dave and I talked about this, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. If there was a, a rel- an apprehension on the part of the rest of the league, looking at Gino with a little bit of skepticism, just kind of going – That was awesome, but is that who he is? Possibly. Is he Blake Bortles? Is is he Joe Flacco? Is he those guys that have popped, signed big deals, and then sort of regressed a bit? I it made sense to me if that's how, because I have my skepticism. Like, is that really who
2: he is moving yep, forward? Yep. Let's see. No, I think that's fair, and I think this this deal probably speaks to that. That his agency also did their due diligence and went out there and said, you know, Gino, you can't really play hardball here, and you're not going to get forty million, and you're not going to get thirty million a year, and you know, you can get forty million guaranteed generational money, and that is guaranteed that's coming your way, and then you can get to those numbers, but you're going to have to continue to do it again. So I am sure that they did their job and went at the Combine as agents and everybody else and got a lay of the land. I, it is kind of curious, though, You know, if you look at that from both sides, is does the rest of the league go, boy, look at Russell in Seattle and then look at Russell in Denver? Mm-hmm. You know, To your point, of not only was it one year, but that that place knows how to get the most out of their talent. And frankly, look at a lot of the players that left. Look at Paul Richardson and others that, that left for more money. How many guys have truly left Seattle and played better elsewhere? Golden Tate did a good job, and he certainly was good mm-hmm. in Detroit and extended his career and got another deal.
0: Bobby probably had the best year he's had in the last three or four. Yes, I would say. How did yeah. he Bain
1: do when he went to, he
2: he went was to San Diego? He was good. Right. He was very yeah. solid. Yep. No, but yeah.
0: you, to your point, we were just talking about that, that you know, some of the DBs like Byron Maxwell, mm-hmm. I, I really thought Maxie was a good yep. corner and it just didn't work out with him. But I thought one of the interesting things from your interview with Pete was when he talked about the spaces, meaning there was no void of communication, that mm-hmm. they filled up every void that there was with conversation. And I think that's really interesting because you know, I was saying this, maybe getting too deep, but like during the pandemic when we're all stuck away from each other yep. and you didn't see people and you didn't communicate with them, yep. you, I just think human beings tend to think the worst of of other people, and and especially in Gino's situation, there's Twitter, and there's all these things that are being said, and this guy said this and that, and the Seahawks did an amazing job, I thought of, it sounds like anyway. Yeah. What, what was the impression you got yeah, from that? You know,
2: I think you can do that, Dave, when you have a business with the continuity they have. Think, think of a lot of other organizations that have a head coach in and out, a GM in and out, a capologist in and out. When you have Matt Thomas and John Schneider and Pete Carroll that have been intertwined for a decade, guess what you can do? You can stay close. You can stay in touch. You can be good cop, bad cop. You can, you know, you can have all of those different touch points. At some point, it is the straight numbers capologist, Matt Thomas, you know, who we see get on the bus. And I don't think he's the best friend of a lot of players because he's the, you know, he's kind of the, the grim reaper financially. Like, here's the pennies and the dollars we got. And then John Schneider is relational, but he's got to figure out the puzzle. And then there's good cop Pete who's going to text and just, you know, like he said to us today, I, I am like a parent to these guys. I love these guys, and I love them through thick and thin. So they kind of have, if you think about that in your negotiations, when you were a player way back when and myself, like who did you interact with? Who did Marvin Demoff, who was your agent of mine, like who was his touch point? Where were, you know, the continuity that they have in Seattle matters. And I think it helps in that process of negotiation.
1: Now, before we move on from Gino, is there anything about him – last season that gives you pause or has I was looking at the numbers last night reading different articles and Hawks started 6 and 3 after that they go 3 and 5 and if you count the playoff game 3 and 6 mm-hmm. he threw 7 of his 11 interceptions in the last 7 games in the regular season and then in the playoff game he threw a pick and then that costly fumble he had he had through, I think four of the last 5 games was like 61%, 62%, 60 it, yeah it, it was a there was a different version of him toward the end of the season was yeah. that him, as he said, getting comfortable, taking more chances. Was that a defense? Defenses starting to figure him out. What? Do you, how do you sort of size that? Yeah,
2: up? I would say if there were two areas, if I was Greg Olson, his new QB coach who takes over for Canales, uh, there would be two focuses right away. The first would be the sack tape, putting on those sacks because the sack numbers were still pretty high. I think they were forty-five or forty-six sacks, 36. so mm-hmm. which was top five-ish in the league and. Out of those 46 sacks, that's a is a quarterback, that's a humbling tape to watch <laughs> because you see so many times you could have got the ball out. Mm-hmm. You could have helped those guys up front, right? And Peyton was so good. There were games, when I backed up Peyton Manning, that he did not get hit. And that wasn't because Jeff Saturday and Ryan Deem and the slew of different guards through there were all pro players. There were some good players. Jeff was a good player, and Tariq, um Glenn was a good player, but he elevated all of them because he got the ball out. So that would be the first tape. And then the second is even more than the interceptions were the fumbles. Mm -hmm. That just can't. Just too many fumbles. Ball security, balls loose, balls out. You just got to have. So those would be the two, Bob, more than even those raw numbers of percentages or interceptions. Those would be the two that if he were to take a legitimate step and you cut 46 sacks to 30, right, which is, I think, a reasonable number with four starters on your linebacker tackles that are seasoned now, you have a feel for them, they have a feel for you, and think of how many yards you save and negative plays and drives you save by just getting rid of the ball. So those would be the two areas where I think he could legitimately take the easiest step. Some of the others depend on your defense, depend on your run game. Some of those struggles with Ken Walker went out and some of the run game disappeared. So you know, there's a script to write for some of those, but individually I think those are the two focuses I would have
0: yeah you just mentioned defense which is amazing to me we were reading the salary or sorry the uh, the tag numbers that a defensive tackle is getting 19 million and a running back's getting 10 it's just unbelievable supply, to me. right but, but, but
2: supply there's not like this draft unfortunately sorry to cut you off this draft unfortunately the the leanest position in the whole draft is D tackle?
0: tackle? Yeah, you see two or three that show up in the first round mocks or whatever. But yep. I was telling the story, speaking of you talking about Peyton Manning, I remember you saying when you guys played Jacksonville and they had <laughs> Stroud and Henderson, yep. and how you guys had to throw out like ninety percent of your runs.
2: We're not even gonna run in these plays. Might as well wipe our butts with them, if we're gonna try to run these guys. That's how Tom Moore That's Tom more That's exactly how he still talks. <laughs> but you guys. Oh, you like these pretty come up on toilet paper and flush them because we can't protect. <laughs> that's exactly that. That's twenty years ago, and he still he still talks that way. In fact, I ran in, I ran into a Seattle coach at the Starbucks this morning, and we were chatting. and He's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to die on this job. I'm telling you that I'm not going to be like Monty Kiffin. I'm like Tom Moore. It's like I just saw Tom Moore at the combine." And he tells me, his, he's, he repeats his resume. He's 85. <laughs> he's at the combine still. And he's like, <laughs> like What are you doing? Stop. You don't need to do this anymore. You've
0: done enough in this league. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. I've not heard Brock do an impression. Oh, you haven't heard my Tom Moore? It's pretty good. I haven't heard anything. I don't even know if that's good. I don't know. It's (laughs) It's kind of like Wyman's good
2: questions. That was a good question. That was a good impression. I'm just telling you, that's a good impression.
0: (laughs) You know what? Based on what I've seen from him, that kind of. That's what. I would picture in my head.
2: The first again. time he called a play, like in my well, I knew what he sounded like from our meetings, but then in a the game when he's got a call in the play, you're know, like,
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> what do you just say?
2: You know, no. translator. So, yeah.
0: But anyway, yeah, you're, you're mentioning that's that's a shame. And, and maybe they go the route of, um, you know, a free agency to get that, that part filled there. But um, That D tackle spot? Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, there's a lot of ends. I mean, it's funny, right? On one level, like if you want pass rush, this is going to be 2012-esque, where you could get a Bennett and an Averill that year. Because in 2012, there were other free agent rushers. There were uh, there was a plethora. Uh, that's a big word. Sorry, there was a bunch of you know good college guys in the draft. Or do you think you got to dumb it down for? No, us? But I just <laughs> after coming off my Tom Moore impression, we're looking like, at you confused. Yeah, well, I was kind of yeah. What are you doing? Plethora. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a there are a lot of edge rusher guys. Yeah, there's not a lot of big people. Right. And when you look at those franchise numbers, that's what kind of stands out to me is. Just supply and demand. You know, there's a lot of running backs. This class running backs group, a lot of them free agents got tagged right in Oakland and Dallas or in Vegas and Dallas. But there's not many,
0: there's not many game. And maybe the best one is the, Deron the guy Payne. That's a little. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about in the the draft as well. The the little guy can't From be, Pitt. Yeah. Oh. He's yeah. unbelievably quick. Yes, he is. Yeah.
2: And he can tuck his hands into his pant pockets because his arms are 31 inches. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. He's got Tyrannosaurus Rex arms, but unbelievable quickness and power. Yeah. What, so. what is your feeling about bringing back players?
1: Because you got, you got two former players that are going to be available, and Bobby Wagner and Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. And then we were just talking about Leonard Floyd. The, the word is the Rams are going to try to trade him, and if they can't, they're going to cut him. Of those three guys, who comes here and has the biggest impact? <sighs> or do any of them? Come here and fit. Do they, Do they fit what the Seahawks are trying to do defensively?
2: I I would say Leonard Floyd, and that's probably just a bias because he's wrecked so many Seahawks games. Yeah, right. That one year uh, the, when we lost to him in the playoffs after winning the division, he came in, and I, I think that year he either had four or five sacks against the Seahawks alone, and just just his length, and he feels like he just destroys anything you want to do on the edge and perimeter, and yeah, with his age and I. He would probably be my top target. Bobby's going to be fascinating, Frank, for that matter, too. And I'm sure those guys want to be back. Hmm. In fact, I could pretty much bet that they've called or are going to call and, and you know have tasted life elsewhere and everything else and, and would love to be back. Bobby's hard because what leadership? Can he come in here and be a guy after being the guy for a mm-hmm. decade? Well, how does he fit if Jordan Brooks is healthy? And he won't be. I mean, Jordan won't be back. I, I have no expectations for him next year. Really? Tore his ACL in December, late December. I have very little expectations you, for him. I think he does. He starts the year on the pup oh, list. I don't know how you don't. It, you know, with, with a of a guy of his size. And I don't know, Dave, you dislocated your knee. So you, you're the expert on this one. But if he tore his ACL in late December, had surgery in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August is seven months. Yeah,
0: well, you know the ACL. If it's just that for some reason, I was led to believe. Maybe I shouldn't be led to believe things, but uh, that that was a little more complicated than just an ACL because the ACL thing has become pretty like uh, Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you can pretty much count on it. But yeah, the linebacker spot as well. And I was just totally baffled by Cody Barton in the year that he had his based on how he played before. Mm -hmm. But what about with Bobby? You know, now all of a sudden you're going back. I mean, I think they really enjoyed the fact that, you know, that they had a young team and that the leadership really came from Pete. You know, not – and he wants to develop guys and you know Bobby and Russ but Bobby and Russ are gone and now yep. all of a sudden you don't have all the, the headaches and you don't have to worry about guys they're all young guys and you know maybe they like that atmosphere
2: they may if Jordan Brooks had not torn his ACL I don't think they entertain Bobby and maybe even Bobby's like, yeah, man, the, the young pup is there. You know, KJ spoke pretty highly of Jordan over the course of this year. And when KJ was in the locker room and watching him and you heard Pete rave about him and he just, you know, his he was a pup around a grown dog in Bobby. And when Bobby left, now he got to, to bark and he got to be a bit of the guy. But he, uh, yeah, I I just don't have any expectations for him. Coming back, unless it's maybe in just you know November, December, get his legs underneath him and maybe contribute for a run at the end. Mm. But I think that that void at least entertains the possibility of talking to Bobby, and then it's all dollars and cents. Yeah. Does Kansas City come after him? Does another team come after him? Does he look at a situation like that and go, "Yeah, I'd like to win one more ring." You know, I'd like to maybe get one one more time somewhere. So the market will dictate some of that, but I would certainly have a conversation. What What
1: about this draft? Fifth overall pick. They haven't been in this spot with Pete and John. Highest pick they've had. Quarterbacks put on a show, especially Anthony Richardson. Some have him in a top five spot. Some yep. have him number one now. Yep. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Pete and John have a, an opinion on all these players that probably didn't change based on that. No,
2: so. but what did change, and he was pretty transparent today, was how overwhelming these guys are from the neck up. Bryce Young is a brilliant dude. He, he is. He sees the game in ways that you're not supposed to. As young as he is, too small. He's tiny, but he's he he can see the game. Will Levis played in the Rams system, so communications, line checks, all these things. They may not huddle like you do in the NFL, but I know Pete is just like I, I, these these guys are so much more prepared physically and mentally. And this group in particular overwhelmed them with just their acumen and their ability to sit there and get on the board and draw it up and, like, you know, I think Pete was blown away and kind of said as much to us today. Dave, I am curious, in your years in the NFL, if you were to say the single greatest physical athlete, just from, like, the traits, right, just the the physical prowess, who would you say in your decade around the league was like, whoa, this dude was just set apart and different?
0: Uh, Tony Mandrich. <laughs> that wasn't my my era. Uh, I would say, you remember Derek Fenner? Yeah. You know, Derek Fenner. Oh, running back, right? He was huge, yeah. And he also could just like stand under the basket and just jump up and two hand flush it. And, yep. you know, he's just an incredible athlete. But, you know, okay football player.
2: Fair to say that in your decade, you didn't play with an end or a linebacker or safety receiver running back. Fenner was probably like 6'3. I think he was a big dude. Yeah. Anthony Richardson's 6'4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's huge. 244 and jumped 40 and a half and ran 4'4'6. And Broad jumped almost 11 feet. That's a freakish how, human being.
1: But how concerned are you? Everybody knew he was an athlete coming in, maybe better than they anticipated. But you look at him last year, and you look at the numbers fifty three
2: point eight percent completion. I, I, Salk and I were showing Salk today in between breaks. I had my iPad. and I made sure that I had it out when Pete walked in, and I was you know maybe watching some game tape of Anthony Richardson on my iPad as he's sitting next to me. And you watch one play, and I showed it to Salk. I'm like, look at this throw. I mean, it was like a little like boot and. He's got people in his face, and he throws, and he's 45 yards, flick of the wrist, like a dime on a, in a whole shot down the sidelines. Like, Mahomes can do that. Josh Allen can do that. Mm. That's about it. Maybe Burrow, Stafford in his prime. That's about it. Mm-hmm. And then the very next throw, very next play, trips into the boundary, covered up downfield, just throw it in the flat. And he just airmails it. Like, just right over the 6-5 tight end. Like, I don't get that. Like, yeah. that. give me that one. Don't do that. And then next, you know, two plays later, there a perfect little spot route between three guys. And then it's third and seven. And here comes an in cut, and he sails at eight feet over his head. So it's just, oh my gosh, just kind of baffling. Like, can yeah. you, you know, it's a, it's probably Randy Johnson coming over from Montreal, <laughs>
1: yeah. right? Where you're like, dude. A lot of tools, a lot of ability, wow. but you don't know
2: where the ball's but going. But can he put it together? Yeah. Can he put it together? So do you think he can? Uh, a- accuracy is there's areas of growth. Josh Allen has shown that, but. Uh, but, he, but but <laughs> but but here's the difference. I hesitate there, but he's six four two forty four and runs a four six and jumps forty inches. I mean he is yeah Cam Newton Josh Allen. It's not sustainable for ten years maybe, right. but can you get a four to six year window where? You you can run for 880 yards.
0: Well, really quick about accuracy, because Jake Locker, that was the, the thing yeah. on him. And that somebody was saying that that's, like, the biggest pro- I mean, yes. whenever I look at quarterbacks, that's the first place I, I go. Can you put it on him Completion
2: percentage. And Geno does it. I mean, that's one thing Geno does. Mm-hmm. He puts most balls are very catchable.
0: But if a guy like Richardson is that inaccurate, like, right? How is that— l- I don't want to say it's not fixable, but is it— the least fixable.
2: That's why I would say he's not gonna be the first pick. That that would hold him back from being the first pick. You think he's top five? I think now? he's he's not gonna get out of the top ten. You just can't. I mean, when you're just physically that different, you just I'm sorry, we'll we'll mold that and we'll work with that and we'll shape that. Jalen Hurts was not the most accurate. He wasn't that inaccurate in college, mm-hmm. but he wasn't he's more accurate now yeah. than he was then. So right place, right system, right amount of reps. That kid had a bunch of head coaches. Bunch of coordinators, bunch of funky college systems. You get them zeroed in, and just being a football player and being a quarterback year-round, you can make some growth.
0: Well, I know those numbers blow you away, but I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I ran a five three forty in the combine <laughs> last year for the media. You know, uh, uh, hey, you know six what? Two
2: hundred. When, when you told me that you squatted, <laughs> and to this day, my buddy Daniel Hill, if he's listening right now, he likes your show too. He's a workout it's warrior. Not, not squat. No, when you squatted it's, it's 225, 225 for 50. Oh. Yeah, 50 reps with 225 on your back, and I believe
0: two sets? Three. Uh, what? Three? Yeah, it was me and Kermit Washington. Kermit Washington, the guy who punched out. The basketball player? Yeah. He, his wife was a coach at Stanford, and so I would wake up at 6 o'clock and go to the gym, and that was one of the things he had. We had to work up to it, but yeah. It 225 was, for 50 reps. 3, Three times? Yeah, it's not so much about strength, it's about no, endurance. that's, that's endurance, about
2: man. strength too. So Seriously. don't hey, tonight at the pro club, <laughs> don't try that. <laughs> Joe, workout guy listening yeah. right now, don't try that. You're not going to be able to do 150 it. 150 reps in total of 225. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. that. Nobody wins. Well, that's no yeah,
0: that, that's pretty pretty incredible. You are incredible. No no, you no, no, no. You <laughs> no, are incredible. No, no. I'm talking about Anthony Bob, Richardson. You are incredible.
2: Lefko, you are incredible. And <laughs> I can't believe that went way too fast. Yeah, yeah it, so good to it see did you guys. Go fast.
1: Good to see you again, you man. You too, man. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, yep. Brock. This was great. Brock Hewitt. everybody. You hear me every morning. Brock and Salk right here starting at 6 a.m. Or you start at 7, right? 6. The Brock and Salk show and
2: starts Brock. at 6.
1: But the, the Brock part of Brock it starts at 7. <laughs>
2: All right. We heard
0: about Brock another great pick for 10. the
1: Seahawks in the draft. We'll break it down next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
2: Wyman and Bob.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
1: On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports App. Our thanks to Brock Hewlett, who was sitting in studio with us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that conversation, it'll be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Good to catch up with Brock. It's been a while since we've seen him in person. We've spoken to him, but, you know, not in the building. He's living in another state these days.
0: Yeah, I, I got a good buddy who lives out in Colorado, and he moved there from Texas and really likes it out there. Yeah, and looks – I've think, never been there. I think their fans can be really tough, Bob. Yeah, you've, that's a
1: very nice <laughs> way of putting it, Dave. <laughs> that's, a, that's much nicer than I've heard before. Uh, so uh, we're, we're talking about some of the other picks. We've been focused in on what are they going to do at five? What are they going to do at five? We have no idea. We'll all find out together. But they do have another first-round pick at 20, and there are some interesting names that could be there uh, depending on, you know, what happens every, with everybody in front of them. But we had a chance to catch up with uh, Sean Kelly, who's the play-by-play man for the Florida Gators, and just obviously we were talking about Anthony Richardson, but to ask him about, you know, some other guys that maybe we're not getting enough info on or aren't being talked about enough, and he brought up a guy that I know you like a
0: lot, Osiris Torrance. If he's not a first-rounder, somebody's lost their mind, That's as good as that I've seen on that line. I mean, the numbers alone about not allowing a sack, not allowing a quarterback hit, I mean, are you serious? You mean never has allowed that? Yeah, never. If I don't mention a lineman's name, that's probably a good thing. If I do, you want to make sure it's he's road grading somebody. But for the most part, it was never a situation where you would mention Osiris Torrance in a negative way. His leverage with his arms, the length of his arms, the strength that he possesses, once he got a hold of somebody, it was over
1: never allowed a hit a sack is one thing that's impressive on his own on its own, but never even
0: a quarterback hit yeah, you know this this is interesting um one of the reasons why is because. I think I'd seen his name, but I didn't know what number he was or anything. So I was watching the Richardson film, Anthony Richardson, and all of a sudden I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, holy moly, this, I think it's number 54. He's the right guard, and – I mean he's doing everything like textbook, and I looked at him uh he's He's like three hundred and forty pounds mm-hmm. like six five three hundred and forty and Sean there talks about road grading and that's that's exactly you know what you need on the inside, somebody that just moves people, but I mean I just he might have some of the best film out there because one of the things you know that you should never get sealed like where you know you're you're blocked you're cut off because you're you know your hips aren't square or whatever and he just seals everybody mm-hmm. you know and then you know you see him pull and he's not fast uh he didn't didn't run a good 40 at the combine i think he's like a five three guy but somehow he gets it done saw so him pull all the way across the formation take a guy and once i would say this i don't want to be you know daniel jeremiah but he's got like I feel like the the guys he blocks stick to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was going to say he's sticky, Bob. I thought you going to call him. He's got fast twitchies. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing like that. But no, I, yeah, he's not. He's not quick. He's not that fast. But man, he and he run blocks as well as he pass blocks. So, you know, and every every year, you know, we talk about a certain guy that you think, hey, I think I really like this guy, and he's kind of what Brent Stecker called my crush this year in the draft, <laughs> but. But an offensive guard, yeah, it's it but that's, it's something then they need to, you know, address,
1: right? Have you ever imagined yourself having a crush on a guard? Yeah. <laughs> Never.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel shame, Bob. Yeah, you used I to speak with
1: disdain about guard, talk about the coaches saying,
0: I can go out on the street and find yeah. one. <laughs> but But yeah, that's that's kind of that's what they need, right? They they need the interior of their offensive yeah, line. Yeah, they need a center and they need
1: a guard. Yeah. Well, and that's Gabe Jackson's still on the roster. Yeah. Is he going to be here? I feel like that's one that hasn't quite worked out the way we had hoped. No, and it, it's In the slowly. rotation with with uh, Phil Haynes, who's fine. I don't know if he if he's a guy you go. That's our new starter. I think you love him on the team. He's great depth. And and he's he's very. I think he's a good player, but I don't know if he's your answer there. So maybe this.
0: Well, if they can, you know, put him in there, and maybe you've you've got what three or even four guys that you're really solid with. There can be a guy in there, but I'm not talking about Gabe Jackson. But you know, and I, I think that there was a reason why they signed Phil Haynes right away. So. You know, if they if they can maybe get him going and then that way they can get away with getting a center, getting a guard. But you know it's funny, I, I find myself reflecting on what KJ said how you know, it was a, f- a month ago or so where he's like, well, they're a ways away. You know, they need this and they need that. And you start looking at it going, okay, guy like Duron Payne gets signed. Mm-hmm. You know, they need a D tackle. There's not a lot of them, as Brock said in the first round. Um, edge rusher, great, can never have enough pass rushers, but still, the guy you really need is that guy in the middle. You need, you need a center. You need a guard, at least one. You need a linebacker. You know so mm-hmm. I mean there's there's lots of we're not talking about corners we're not talking about receivers tight ends you know running backs but those those positions right there that all of a sudden it starts to seem like a lot right yeah it does yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean you're like okay and and again I think Phil Haynes is a really good player if you can get him back to how he played at the end of the 2021 season I think it was uh was phenomenal he he was really good you know that he was part of that Rashad Penny sort of resurgence, right? Right. He, he was blocking really well, and so you know if they can get him back to that point, you know. But then you know you got to get a guard or a center there. You got to invest in that in that uh position. And yeah, I, I don't think I saw a center. You, you were pulling up the guy with Schmitz, something Schmitz. Yeah, he was
1: the highest mock center I was seeing on a consistent basis. Yeah, uh, where was he from? thumb was it Iowa or Minnesota. It was Minnesota Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. okay so. so yeah he was he was the one name that I saw pop up frequently in these mock drafts just looking at Senate. it doesn't seem to be a ton of them yeah out there so I don't know if they go rookie or if they go for a free agent or something like that but uh, Ryan Wilson at CBS Sports has uh, Osiris Torrance mocked at Number twenty, number twenty, to the Seahawks.
0: I would so much rather. I mean, it's not a sexy pick, but you know, I would so much rather see because Enjigba uh, has been the the receiver from uh, Ohio, Ohio State. State yeah. yeah, he's been slotted in there, and I don't know. It just doesn't get me too excited. You don't feel like you need, as you mentioned earlier, they might have the best receiver tandem here. Yeah, you, know, you got. You a, could
1: use a third guy, but sure. is it is it is that more pressing than yeah. getting your your guard, your center, your defensive tackle, your linebacker? I feel like third receiver is way down on the list.
0: Yeah, but I mean, in the draft, if they see a guy that they really value Certainly. at twenty, yeah. they're going to take him anyway. So, and I I think that's that's brought them success having that way. But yeah, so. This uh, The big ugly, the big guard, man, that's, that's the guy that, to me, I feel like he's, of all the, the players that I've watched and the highlights and things I've seen, he's probably had the most impressive stuff.
1: All right, coming up, there's an interesting pro comparison for Anthony Richardson, and it could make it more likely that the Seahawks draft him. We'll tell you what we're talking about when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710.
0: Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting
1: and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob.
2: Well, we heard from Sean Kelly yesterday, Florida's play-by-play broadcaster, about Anthony Richardson's low completion percentage. You guys just talked to Brock about it as well. Could be a concern, but Lewis Riddick has a different take and says that there are some NFL comps to not worry about it that much when it comes to Anthony Richardson. I think
0: history, in recent history in particular, has shown that guys who had those concerns in college, when you when you talked about them, when you looked at them, and you didn't apply context. Usually made you look stupid in the end because number one, there's the individual personal factor that these guys can work at it, whether it be mechanically or holistically in terms of being with better, with better supporting cast, better coaching, and continued you know just steadfast, resilient type of you know commitment to the process. They can make huge leaps and bounds. Josh Allen showed you this. Jalen Hurts has shown you this. Yep. It can be done. Yeah, that that's interesting. I I got the feeling that Brock was maybe swayed by the two hundred and forty four pounds six, and I, he seemed awfully hesitant impressive. when he was like, I don't know the accuracy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That was, and you know, I feel like yeah, he's got all those things. As Brock was pointing out, I couldn't believe when I saw two forty four. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's yeah. where I I played at, and uh, yeah, he's a, he's a monster run, and like Brock said. You know, you see uh, – and I didn't see the him sailing the the passes that he was talking about. But, yeah, you see the highlight film, and it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, he does – he has the, the one where he spins out of – he goes to throw, pulls it down, spins out of it, and then goes and throws a touchdown. It's, it's really – it's amazing. Like, he's just toying with people out there. But if you can't get the ball to the – put it on, as Brock said, put it on his receivers, then – that's going to be true. 53.8%. And uh,
1: we talked about this yesterday a bit. Not all of them are going to be his fault. Some of them are going to be throwing the ball away. He's trying to avoid a sack. You're going to, yeah, you're going to misfire on some. But that, boy, that, that seems like a lot. Could he improve? It, it, it It's interesting that he did that at the college level. What does he do when he's going up against guys who are everything is precise and on point? You talk about measuring every last step has got to be exact. And when you're going up against the best of the best, Is it reasonable to think, well, yeah, he'll get better, but is he going to improve that much against the best of the best? Is he going to be a 65% guy when he was 53.8 in college?
2: Yep. Sweeping the dial. After the Geno news broke yesterday, all the talking heads, ESPN, NFL Network, uh, pretty much anyone was was talking about the signing, especially Ladainian Tomlinson, uh, who really liked the move because it keeps the continuity that the Seahawks built up last year.
0: I'm a firm believer of chemistry, continuity on the on the football team particularly on the offense when you have a quarterback that's clicking well with your offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, you got to keep those two together. We've seen the success of this football team uh late in the season when they were able to throw the football around once the runner Walker got hurt. Now they started off remember they ran the football quite a bit but they tailed that off as Geno felt more comfortable in this system ended up leading the league in completion percentage at 70. So when you have uh, stats like that and you're playing that well, it's smart to keep it together.
1: Yeah, that seems like the obvious statement right You're always i mean the idea that even if they were had the number one pick and they drafted uh, you know bryce young cj Stroud, whoever you want to throw in there the idea that that rookie's going to come in and play better than what geno did last year probably not realistic it's probably not yeah. a fair expectation no. so yeah that continuity is huge and and, you know, any any draft of a quarterback is about the future, not about this coming season. So I think they put themselves in a great spot.
0: It, it might not be fair to judge Gino next year against his his numbers this year. Yeah. Brock mentioned the sacks, which I hadn't thought of because he was projected for 55 based on what he did in 21, which was only four games, but still. Um, but, yeah, that, that was interesting. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, his – connection to the ownership and how the, how much they appreciated it that was somewhat part of it you know and mm-hmm. we don't there's a lot about Gino I talked earlier about that void that Pete was talking about yeah the, the space is like we don't get a chance to talk to Gino you know and we've heard though over the last what 48 hours of some pretty good things about him sweeping the dial The MLB Tonight crew was uh, talking about Jared Kelnick yesterday,
2: and Chris Young broke down the changes that Ryan Divish kind of told you guys about what he likes about
0: Kelnick's new approach to the plate.
2: And this is the process that you have to go through when you're trying to make an adjustment. You say, okay, you know what? Let me try to relax my hands a little bit. I'm a little too tense in the box, a little too much swing and miss to where everything has to be perfect. Let me give myself a little more freedom. You see me. Let me take a deep breath, relax my hands. The fact that he's just relaxing the bat on his shoulder, able to move his hands as he's setting up not overly tense allows him to use his athleticism as he has it you see him a little crouched, really tight with the grip on the left side on the right side he's staying athletic it's a similar load i really like guys who download he's a download guy stays athletic in the box and it allows him to go out there and just be himself
1: i like a download guy too down low, guy. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to hear outside perspective on, on Kelnick and what he's doing and getting, you know, an objective opinion. We're all close to it. You know, we talk to people who are watching him every day, every at-bat. So I'm hoping all of this success he's had so far in spring translate I don't expect him to hit 412. I'm just going to go out on a limb, Dave, and make a crazy very prediction. Gracious. Very gracious of you. Listen, I'm a risk taker. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a gunslinger out here with predictions. He's not going to hit 412. But if this provides him the level of confidence he needs just to be a consistent threat offensively. And I know he's going to hit home runs. He's got pop. He makes good contact. It's going to go out of the yard. It's a matter of, can you get on base? Can you be a guy who's, you know, got a nice on base percentage batting average has been devalued as the years go on, but be a guy who gets on base, especially if he's going to be down there. We're assuming seven, eight nights somewhere in there maybe he you know julio's coming up fairly often three out of ten times with with Kelnick on base would be really nice so we'll see what
0: happens well and then also you know if you mentioned he can be an on base guy but then you know if he can just hit for power you know like mm-hmm. you know gino suarez i guess would yeah. say i mean you take the strikeouts okay cost of doing business right mm-hmm. but you're hitting home runs did he hit one over the batter's eye the other day? I Kelnick, think. yeah. Kelnick. Did. That was that was pretty impressive. But, yeah, I, I saw Chris Young breaking down as, you know, and we talked to Divish about it, and he said, well, there's a lot more than that, of just his hands being relaxed. There's there's a whole bunch of other things. But interesting to uh, to see that, you know, like I said earlier, if you'd known this 10, 11 games in, would you be like, are you wait-and-see guy? Are you it doesn't mean anything? Or this means something? I think you break the rules about numbers for spring counting when it comes to Jared Kelnick. Yeah, I
1: think they've got more meaning. Doesn't it's not an automatic. Doesn't mean that now translates to a huge season at the big league level. But I think for him, just finding success is, is a big deal. For I think any guy who's coming back from injury or coming back from a season of struggles, and they start seeing moments of success out there during spring, I think that can carry over to an extent and sure. that level of belief. That okay, I've, I've I've got this figured out to an extent. I feel yeah. I'm feeling good. All right, coming up, we'll get his thoughts on free agency and everything going on in the NFL and elsewhere. El hombre, Michael Bradley, going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten.